Well, there have been some major leaders, influencers in the Christian faith that have either walked away from Christianity or are publicly questioning their faith, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. Marty Sampson being one from Hillsong Church. Another one is Joshua Harris. A lot of people have been talking about this, and so I I do want to address it, uh, but I want to address some of the concerns that maybe lie below, maybe not something that you've heard other places. Also, I will be addressing some of the Instagram questions and comments that have come in in regards to this. So if you have heard people talk about this, don't walk away because this might be some new information. This is the Coffeehouse Question Podcast, and I am Ryan Pauly. Thanks for joining me. I'm really excited to be talking about this with you and address some of the issues that have come up and some of the things that actually we've talked about in the past and how it applies again here. And now with this being one of those controversial issues, one of those things that people have a lot of opinions on, I want to encourage you to send in your opinions, your questions, your comments, your thoughts on this show. So we will just jump into that right from the beginning, that you can send in any questions or comments you have uh, on email at contactacoffeehousequestions.com. You can follow, and I encourage you to follow on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash coffeehousequestions. I have all the events that I'm doing posted there. I post a lot of videos and a lot of things that are going on, and that is a great way to interact and stay up to date with what's going on with Coffeehouse Questions and myself. Also, uh, Twitter, Instagram, the at there, and the, the ad is at RyanPolly3. Again, I post a lot of information on Instagram, questions to the followers, and they can respond, and we're going to address a lot of those today. Or uh, you can text in at 714-989-6927. So hopefully you, we can connect there. Also, uh, next Monday, uh, on the 26th, I will be interviewing Dr. Fazrana on his new book, Humans 2.0, that he co-wrote with Kenneth Samples from Reasons to Believe, The Theological Philosophical and scientific implications of scientism and sorry of transhumanism, and so uh, this idea of linking humans and technology together, and what turned from this idea to how can we better help humans, how can we improve humans uh, to to get rid of maybe some diseases and some things that we would say that's a good reason, but maybe has taken too far, and that we think this will now become our savior, and it's actually part of this uh, goal to live forever, and so there's a lot of stuff that is going on in the transhumanist movement, and so we're going to be discussing those implications and how Christians should think about it. So again, Follow and connect on those social media ways uh, to be able to send in your questions again for Fuzzrana for that interview that is happening next week. Now, again, I'm sorry I'm getting this podcast out a little bit too late, a little, or I guess I should say a few days late. On Saturday, when I normally record the podcast, I actually had to go into work, into school, and finish decorating my classroom. We had all last week to decorate. I didn't get done. Students showed up today. I'm recording on Monday. Students showed up today, first day of the year, and so I had to go in Saturday morning, decorate my classroom or finish, and I didn't get a chance to record. So this is a few days late, but what that means, man, the school year is starting again. That also means question of the days are going to start again. So you make sure you want to follow the YouTube channel there. It's just my name, Ryan Polly, on YouTube. And again, the question of the days will start being posted more frequently as I begin to engage my high school students in the classroom again. So if you haven't seen those, go over to YouTube, check them out, subscribe on there as well. And another great way to, to help you guys think through some issues that students themselves are dealing with. Almost all the questions handled there are questions that students have sent me. So that's a fun, exciting time. What that also means is that speaking for the summer has finished. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I counted up. I gave 44 lectures at different camps, churches, and retreats over the summer. 
had an absolute blast, tons of Q&A, a lot of topics, had a lot of fun. This fall, though, I'm only booked right now for one event, and I've booked my first event for the summer of 2020. So the calendar is open this fall. If you want me to come to a winter retreat, come to your school, we'll try to make that work. Contact me. Go to the coffeehousequestions.com page. There's a speaking tab there. I would love to come train and talk with your group, maybe answer some questions. And then again, next summer is starting to fill up already. And so if you want to get me on the books for a summer retreat or summer camp next summer, make sure you contact me soon. So I think that's all the updates and uh, all the things I want to mention to you. And so let's jump into what is going on. Now, the recent article that I wanted to discuss was the uh, the walking away, or at least the questioning of faith is what it came out to be uh, recently of Marty Sampson. Now, some of you may have seen this, but if you haven't, I am going to to kind of mention it and talk through what he uh, posted on his Instagram page. So he made this kind of public statement on Instagram where he posted and he started off by saying, time for some real talk. I'm genuinely, lose, genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. Like what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world. It's crazy. This is a soapbox moment. So here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. Many miracles happen. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be loving yet send 4 billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people in the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. God so much more got so much more to say, but for me, I keep it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. He finishes the post by saying, I could go on, but I won't. Love and forgive, absolutely. Be kind, absolutely. Be generous and do good to others, absolutely. Some things are good no matter what you believe. Let the rain fall. The sun will come up tomorrow. Now, I... By the time I got to his Instagram page to see this, it had been deleted and there was nothing left. The page was completely empty. Now, what I saw frequently responding to this immediately after is a bunch of apologists jumping online saying, if he only had apologetics, this is why we do what we do. If he had apologetics, he wouldn't be saying this. Now, what's interesting is then about a day or two later, he posted another post on Instagram, which then he deleted uh, with famous apologists, William Lane Craig, Ravi Zacharias, Frank Turek, John Lennox, Michael Lacona, and maybe some others. And he made the comment and he said, look, I listen to these guys. I followed them. I read their arguments. Um, and, and I'm thinking about the things that they have to say. And so I think it's often, I, one of the first things I want to say is that often we, we jump to conclusions very quickly. We go, ah, if they just had arguments, then they would stay. And that's not always true. Now, I've obviously come across a lot of students that when receiving the arguments, it does affect them. It does change them. And they are more confident in the things that they believe. And I've talked to people who've worked with students for many years that they say that when they switched over and started doing deep training in theology, apologetics, and worldview, that the numbers kind of flipped. That instead of, you know, the majority, 60 or so, 80% of students walking away from their faith, it was more like 20% that were walking away and it was the 20% that didn't care. And so these things absolutely help. But I don't think that we can immediately say, well, this is all that they were lacking. Because here he at least explains that he had been 
reading those people. He has been listening to them. And in fact, he now recently has put out that even Ravi Zacharias has personally reached out to him to talk to him. And I think this is awesome, right? This is the response that we should have. Instead of immediately jumping to conclusions, he didn't have apologetics. If he just had this, then he would be still in the faith. Uh, We have to see this is a, a brother in Christ. This is someone who is walking away from their faith or questioning it deeply and needs Christians to come around in support not simply just judge the things that he's saying, to simply say he he was missing this one aspect. It's kind of weird, I guess, for me being an apologist and saying these things, but I think this is what's going on. Right? He says he's losing his faith. It doesn't bother me. Now, I want to comment on some of the things that he did have to say, because I think that they're interesting in the way that he at least phrases them. He says, what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now. I'm so at peace with the world. It's crazy. Now, he's not saying this, So I'm going to kind of extrapolate from this, and I'm going to say some things that students often say, is that we judge what is right and wrong based on how happy it makes us. I've written a couple articles on this. Does God just want us to be happy? And the answer is no. God wants us to be holy. We often, when we deal with students, we give kind of the consequences. If you do this, then something bad will happen. This kind of utilitarian ethic, this very pragmatic, this is the result. But the thing is, is these things aren't wrong because something bad will happen. Something bad generally happens because it's wrong. Right and wrong is grounded in the nature and character of God. But we often have this idea, even in Christianity, that I'm happy now. I'm at peace. Therefore, this must be right. Now, he's not saying that. But it is interesting that he says, well, that's crazy. That I'm, I'm doubting my faith, but I'm, I'm at peace about it. I don't know what his thoughts are with that, but I just wanted to make that point that we often dealing with students are kind of implanting this idea in them that, hey, things that are bad are going to have a negative consequence. Things that are good, they have positive. And so when people have a positive feeling, they feel happy at peace about something that should be bad, they don't know how to handle that or it's crazy. It's weird. We need to teach. It's not about how we feel. They make something right or wrong. It's about the nature and character of God. Now, on his soapbox moment, he talks about, you know, how many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Now, what's interesting, and I just think, man, this is just weird, is that he he's right in one way, but it's also weird in the sense that he posted an article, or he posted a thing on Instagram with John Lennox and, and William Lane Craig and Frank Turek. He knows that people are discussing these things, and he says he's read their arguments, yet he says here no one talks about it. But what he might be saying is that in the Christian church and whole, we're not discussing these things. And that's where I think he's actually right. It's not just him that needs apologetics. It's the whole church. Now, I don't know the exact community that he's grown up in and what, how they're discussing these issues, but it is common that people shy away from these things. It breaks my heart when I have seniors in high school, maybe some seniors that have grown up in the church, and I give arguments and, and reasons for God's existence and the truth of Christianity, and they tell me, wow, this is the first time I've ever been told why I should believe this, rather than that I should believe it. That, that, that. If you remember my interview with Jay Warner Wallace on his new book with Sean McDowell, where they talked about give two whys for every what. We talk about what we believe and that you should believe it, but we should be talking about why we believe it and why it's important. These whys need to be addressed. And so I do feel that there is truth in this, right? When a high school student just this summer told me, man, this is what I've been praying for. When we went into a QA and a and just sat down and answered questions, he goes, this is what I've been praying for. That breaks my heart that people are in the church 
have genuine concerns, genuine doubts. They may be open about them, but they're not getting responses. They're not being able to seek these out in a healthy way. But is it true that no one is talking about this? No, a lot of people are. But a lot of the voices that are are saying, we need to talk about this more. Now, he does say that why is the Bible full of contradictions? Is it? In my talk, I, 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 on the reliability of the Bible, I say, no, it's not. There are things that appear to be contradictions, there are apparent contradictions, but I would be curious, what contradictions are you talking about? Now, this is something that comes up a lot in some of my talks. And so I'll quickly address some ways to respond to this. Again, not saying that if I gave him this response that he'd be come back to Christianity, but for those of you who maybe have read this or have heard it, and you go, well, does the Bible have contradictions? Let's answer a couple of these. All right, so if someone is going to bring up this idea that there are contradictions in the Bible, first question should be, what do you mean by contradictions, right? Let's apply the Columbo tactics from Greg Kokel. Uh, when they describe what they mean by contradiction, then we're going to ask, okay, how did you come to that conclusion? Can you show me one, right? You can't answer all Bible contradictions with one statement because there's different rules that apply to different ones. And so let's actually work through some of these contradictions. Now, here are some general principles to think through if someone thinks that there's contradictions in the Bible. The first one is the context. Know what the text actually means that they're not taking a verse completely out of the context, misapplying it, and therefore then saying the Bible is a full uh, has a contradiction. So for example, one way that this is done is where Jesus says that the mustard seed is the smallest, which is technically not true. An orchid seed is really smaller. But what is the context? Jesus is talking to farmers, to people in that region, and they have an understanding of the mustard seed, maybe not the orchid seed. And so again, this idea of, is Jesus going for perfect accuracy? No, he's trying to give them an illustration of, here's a small seed that you know of, right? This is often happening within the context. We talk about this all the time. This is the smallest, not the smallest thing ever, but this is the smallest in the category or in the area that we are talking about. So let's make sure that we have the context correct. The second thing that we need to look for is the difference between error and precision. And so the example of this would be numbers in the Old Testament, right? If I said I talked to a group of 200 people and someone comes along and says, no, it's actually only 191. You are wrong. Well, I'm not going for precision there. I'm not going for accuracy. I'm rounding off numbers. This is not an error. This is just a lack of precision, which is not the, the point of what I'm trying to talk about. Another thing that we can look for is the difference between a falsity and a, and a false report. So, for example, uh, how many angels were at the tomb? One gospel says two, another one says one. Well, again, if I said there was a student at camp, there was one student at camp, and I talked to him, and you came along and said, what, there was only one student at camp? No, there's 200, but I talked to one. Right? I'm giving a partial report. I'm only reporting on one scenario, dealing with one individual. Right? I'm not t trying to give this comprehensive idea of what's going on. So again, I'm not making a mistake. It's just a partial report. Another thing we can look through, look for is the use of everyday language. So for example, the sun rises, the sun sets. Uh, these are things that we say. This is phenomenological language based on what our observation is. We know for a fact now in today's culture, the sun is not rising and setting, yet we still say sunrise and sunset. No one looks at the sun in the morning and says, ah, what beautiful earth rotation. But that technically would be accurate. No one says it. We have language even today that we know is not true, but we still use it because that is based on our observation. The sun is rising. The sun is setting. And finally, we have to think about the fact that the Bible does not approve of everything it records. It records historical things, but doesn't say, now you go and do likewise. And so we have to be able to tell the difference between verses that are prescriptive, telling you to go do the same, or and descriptive, simply just saying what's going on. 
And so here's some, con- some helpful, possibly, things to think about when thinking about the Bible being full of contradictions. Now, this one I think is interesting, and this is a common mistake that people make, is his next thing. He says, no one talks, uh, sorry, no one talks about, um, how, can the, how can God be love, yet send four billion people to a place, all because they don't believe? Now, there are a lot of theological mistakes here. And so I do want to address these, and hopefully I do have time to get into the questions from Instagram, maybe have to roll over again into next week. But there are a few mistakes here. One, God is not only love. Now, it's interesting. If you go back to Marty Sampson's uh, Instagram post or uh, profile now, you'll see a lot of posts, and he ends every single one with, I love you, I love you, I love you. Now, it is true that God is love, but he's not just love. And what I often tell students is this is isolating only one of God's attributes. God is also perfectly just, and God is, has, is wrath. And we often don't like the wrath of God. Right? Think about a judge in today's culture. I just got called in for, for jury duty. And if I said, I love you, murderer, you go free. You would go, you're crazy. Right? If you truly love people, you need to punish those who are wicked and protect the innocent. Exactly. We can't just say, how could God be love yet send 4 billion people to a place? Well, because he's not just love. But let me give you an illustration that I learned from Frank Turek which again is interesting because Marty Sampson says he watches Frank Turek. But let me give you an illustration from Frank Turek that I love and I always mention with students. I asked the girls in the room, hey girls, do you know, have, have you ever had a guy that's liked you that you didn't like back? And he professed your love to you and you responded by saying, ah, you know, I like you too, but only as a friend. And all then the girls laugh and you make a joke about, hey, is that guy sitting right next to you? Right? They, now imagine this guy continues to pursue you, pursue you, pursue you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Asks you to every single school dance and he follows you around. At some point you would say, if you truly love me, you would. And you probably finish the sentence. You would leave me alone. Guys, I think that's exactly what God does. God pursues us in this life. And he finally gives us over to our desires. And he does that. He's, because he truly loves us, he finally leaves us alone that we eventually will go to the place where we want to go. I don't think that there's anyone in heaven who did not want to be there, and I don't think there's anyone in hell who wanted to be in heaven. We ultimately go where we want to go. Again, that's true of Arminians and of Calvinists, that the Calvinist, the unregenerate person, will never want God and will go to hell. And the Arminian, you have that choice, and you get to choose where you want to go. God is not sending you there. You're going where you want to go. And because he is love, he ultimately lets you go where you want to go. But also he says, well, God sends 4 billion people to a place all because they don't believe. No, you don't go to hell because you don't believe. Believing can save you. You go to hell because you're a sinful, broken human being that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That's like saying the, the cancer person died because they didn't go to the doctor or the doctor killed them. No, the doctor could have saved you, but you died because of the cancer. The cancer is the thing that killed you, right? And here I often think, I give another illustration. I don't remember if I've shared it on the podcast, so I apologize, apologize if I have, but I'm going to share it again. I think that uh, another helpful scenario or uh, idea that I thought up of um, helps in this is that we want to change the requirements of what gets you into heaven. Like you should be a good person. And just because you don't believe you go to hell, what? No, you go to heaven or hell, especially you go to heaven if you have been adopted into the family of God. And how do you do that? You convert from your sins, you become regenerate, and you are adopted and, and you turn from your wickedness and you are adopted in, 
into the family of God. You confess the things that you've done, right? And it's like going to Costco, any place that has a membership. It's saying, I want to get into Costco. And they go, well, do you, are you a member? And you go, no. Well, you need to be a member. Well, I don't want to be a member. You know, but I just, I just helped this lady in the parking lot unload the groceries into her car. Wow, that's very nice of you. But you need to be a member. You know, I just actually, I cured world cancer. Wow, that's incredible. But you need to be a member. You know, I've never actually been to prison. Well, that's great. You haven't done anything so wrong. You've gone to prison, but you need to be a member, right? We want to change the requirements that you get into heaven by being a good person, that you go to hell because you're bad or something, or just because you don't believe. No, you have to be a member of God's family, just like you have to be a member of Costco if you want to get in. If you don't want to be a member, then you don't get the privileges of membership. And it's based on the desires that we have, whether it's the unregenerate person will never want that, or you do have the choice and you don't choose it, you will not want it. Therefore, you don't get the privileges. You don't go to hell just because you don't believe. You go to hell because you haven't believed in a Savior. Why? Because a Savior can save you from your sinfulness. Because you go to hell because you are a sinful, broken person and you don't want God. Now, there's one more thing I want to jump in before we kind of get to some of the uh, comments from Instagram. And I'm talking really fast because I realize, man, there's so much to say on this. Apologize if I'm just flying way too fast. Again, you can comment in. We can do another week. But he finishes by saying, I could go on, but I won't. Love and forgive, absolutely. Be kind, absolutely. Be generous and do good to others, absolutely. Some things are good no matter what you believe. Now, that's not true. Some things are not good no matter what you believe. Now, what's interesting is he posted another post on his Instagram profile. And this is a picture, and this is a picture that says, condescending phrases atheists hear from the religious, top 10. One of them says, you can't have morals without God. Now, that is false. You can have morals without God. But what the Christian is saying is not that you can't have morals without God. It's that morality can't exist without God. Right? In the, in the same, and I love this again, I learned this from Frank Turek, which is shocking that he's writing this saying that he listens to Frank Turek. But it's that you, you can read a book, know what's in the book, learn from the book, and deny that there's an author. But there would be no book if there is no author. Right? You can get the advantages of a car and deny that there's a builder, there's a mechanic of that car, but there would be no car without the engineer and the mechanic. In the same way that you can deny that God exists and be a moral person, some atheists are more moral than some Christians. What we're saying is not that you can't be moral if you don't believe in God, but if, that if God did not exist, there would be no morality. Because if there is no God, there is no standard above human governments. That is the highest authority is humans. And therefore, whatever humans decide is true is true. Now, what's interesting is that many of the posts here on his new profile, is he ends almost every one by saying, I love you. I love you. He's fighting for social justice. That seems to be his new thing. His, his, even his little tagline on his Instagram post says, love. But what's interesting, and I would ask him, if, okay, if there is no God, where do you get this idea of love from? Why is it better to love rather than hate? And I'm not saying that if you don't believe in God, you're a terrible person. But what I'm saying is that if God doesn't exist, then how can you deem one action more loving than something else? Where does your standard of love come from. And so what this comes down to is this. I don't know why he is questioning his faith. We often, a lot of us have doubts. I don't know why Joshua Harris walked away, 
But as I often say, and I'll say again, there's not just one reason why people walk away or question their faith. It's not just intellectual that apologetics is going to solve. There are intellectual rejections, but there are also volitional rejections where people just don't want to believe. And there are emotional rejections where people have been hurt by the church, by Christians, and they don't want to believe. We often don't know exactly which one is what, but it doesn't really matter. What we have here is someone who is struggling, that we need to come alongside. And I think this is important because, again, in the, even in the interview that I did with John Marriott on his book, A Recipe for Disaster, people often comment in and goes, well, these are just high school kids walking away from the faith. They were never Christians to begin with. And what these stories show is that's not true. Here are major leaders in the church, authors, pastors, worship leaders, who are deeply involved in their communities, involved in the church for many years, that either walk away or question seriously. This is an issue that we have to think about. And we can't just say, well, it's only kids who walk away that have never really been Christians in the first place. We need to think about this seriously. And so that's what I want to do. I want to look through and I want to look at what he posts and I want to pray for him. Right now, he says one of the condescending phrases that uh, atheists hear from Christians is I'm praying for you. Yeah, but look, I do believe that prayer is powerful. That God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is who calls us to him. And prayer is powerful. So I think that there's a lot of, there's some misinformation, there's a lot of confused ideas and what's kind of been going around. Hopefully we can, can come alongside, we, we can understand this, and we can be open to discussing the difficult issues. That is why I do question of the day. That's why I encourage my students to ask good questions, to think about things critically, because oftentimes we have this idea that, that the church is not talking about these issues. So it does look like I'm going to need to do uh, week two for uh, to get to all the Instagram comments, but let's hit up a, a couple of these really quick before we finish up. Lions Jeremiah commented in and said, it's a sad reminder that we need to be thinking through these things with students and adults. Exactly. We need to think through these out loud. We need to process these. He says it's, he, he continues on and says, it's sad reading his Instagram posts. None of the reasons he gave invalidate Christianity. And that's exactly true. These reasons don't invalidate Christianity. Yes, they do bring up questions. How can God allow pain and suffering if he is good? But we need to think deeply. These should draw us to a deeper understanding of him. This doesn't mean that Christianity is false. And as I think, if there's good, if there's evil, then that proves actually that Christianity is true, that God does exist. Uh, another comment from SVMG Iserves. Sorry if I said that incorrectly, but he said, uh, what do you think will uh, come? What do you think will overcome him? I don't know. The Holy Spirit is who draws us to him. I think the Holy Spirit is coming, uh, will come over him, hopefully, uh, in helping him understand. If that doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But again, that's why we pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to come around. Aiden Gilbert wrote in and said, uh, there are about 20 different Hillsong groups. Are they all the same? Do they all, uh, and do they all believe? Now, this might be helpful since I am going to be doing a part two on this. Uh, if someone knows more than that on me, than me, uh, to comment in and help me out. But I think, no, uh, the different groups, at least the different band groups like Hillsong United, Hillsong Young and Free, those are just different versions of this of uh, the same Hillsong Church, different t- styles of music for different groups. Uh, so I do think that they are, well, they're not the same in that they're different groups, different kinds of music, but I do think that they all believe very similar. DW0215 wrote in on Instagram and said, do we really have to argue with others to defend our belief or stand? I would say, no, we don't have to argue with them, but we should, right? And argue not in a negative sense, but argue in having conversations and presenting arguments. Look, if, if scripture says that in, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, that we are all ambassadors, that God is making his appeal through us, that then by me presenting arguments, that is God making his appeal through me. 
And so if I'm not having these conversations, if I'm not discussing these things with people, then I would say, then, well, how can God make his appeal through me if I'm not actually making any appeal, right? I can maybe interrupt that in some way and God will find someone else to make that appeal for him. And so I want to be the ambassador that God has called me to be. I want to be going out and making disciples of all nations. And that does mean having these conversations. So we're running out of time, but I just want to say that uh, comments that did come out on Instagram, if you're listening about how easy it for someone so deep in the faith to walk away, and Bridget, who wrote in about deconstruction movement, uh, I will be addressing those in a future show. So hopefully I can get to it next week. I do have this the third part of the interview with Tim Stratton coming up. I do have the two-part interview uh, with Dr. Fazrana coming up, and so I will be getting to these last Instagram posts. So again, if you have more comments on what we discussed today, write those in because there will be a part two to this show. So thank you all so much for listening. I pray that this was an encouragement to you to think through this issue, maybe a little bit from a different perspective, to think through why people walk away and to try to understand some of the objections that were brought up, but also understanding the heart of the person behind it. If you have questions about whether you can be saved or not and walk away from your salvation, I have a YouTube video on that that addresses that in more depth. I also realized that we didn't even get into the comments he made about science and faith, but that is exactly why I discussed those issues, because that is a big one where people think that science has somehow disproven Christianity, and that is not true. So again, we're going to have a part two, so send in your comments so we can discuss more of those Instagram comments, yours that you write in, as well as some of the things mentioned in this article. Thank you all so much for listening. I pray that you have an awesome rest of your day. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with a friend or family member. I love hearing when people talk to others and say, hey, I listen to this podcast. It really encourages me. I love it. That encourages me that it encourages you. So keep doing that. Give it a rating on your podcasting app if you have that short five seconds to do that. Thanks for listening. Love God. Sip coffee. This is Coffee House Questions with Ryan Polly. Your love will guide my way.